Alright, I started recording. Alright, for sure. Hop into it whenever. Cool. <clears throat> In three, two, one. Hello? You've reached Hoop and Holler, a Square One podcast. I had to go to CBA school, salary cap school, and tampering school. Can't say, hey, I want you to come to the Lakers, even though I'm going to be wink, winking like. <laughs> On basketball and other shenanigans. I mean, good for you. I mean, you probably won't get hired by, you know, ESPN anytime soon. Because <laughs> you don't got that clutch connection. I have a job to do. With Reagan Griffin Jr. Reagan, you're the best, I say, man. Hey, I say, hey, yo, Jermichael. He turns around. I'm like, you know Lakers coming for that ass this year, right? Uh-huh. Eddie Sun. Some voters just like to be contrarian. You know, whether it's for clicks, whether it's for just because they like to be contrarian. contrarian. Yes, you do. That's true. I feel like, like Eddie going to be the type to be like, MVP? James Harden. We're not against rap. We're not against rappers. But we are against those analytics. The analytics. And Julio Martinez. Braun just frustrates me sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. You've been hyping up this game. Obviously, it's a big game. He he looks juiced for it. Bro, just score the ball. Everybody just thinks I'm a hater. That is blasphemous. And, and, and you know what's that reminiscent of? That was, you know, MVP Steph season. Oh, right? here we go. He was getting here 30 we go. a game. All right, y'all. It's been a he great episode. Fourth quarter. But at, when it boils down, like, that's what we're here for is the yeah. basketball ball. Welcome back to another episode of Hoop and Holler. It's Rage's voice today. How y'all doing? Let's go ahead and jump into this episode, man. A lot of good stuff. I don't want to beat around the bush. Let's jump into it. Starting with this trade, New York is on the trade block. I'm not even going to ask y'all how y'all doing. Yeah, you I don't said, care. You said how y'all doing and just proceeded to not care about how we're doing. <laughs> I know, I know. Bro, I see, you know, I, it was facetious. I didn't really care. But in all seriousness, let's go ahead and talk about this trade, man. Derek Rose to the Knicks for Dennis Smith Jr., R.I.P. Dennis Smith, man. I thought he was going to be better. For Dennis Smith Jr. in a second-round pick, what are our initial thoughts on this deal? So in terms of, you know, Derrick Rose, looking at it from the Derrick Rose side of things, I, it's similar to what my take was most recently on the Bradley Beal stuff, is that, yes, part of me feels bad for Derrick Rose, A, for going, you know, for having a stay or a stint with the New York Knicks in the first place, but even more so having to go back to the New York Knicks. And, you know, we all we all know his, you know, the story of his career and what he's gone through injury wise and, and all of the sort. But from another standpoint is that, you know, Derrick Rose is at the point of, of in his career where he can demand a trade or, you know, ask to be released or bought out or whatever the case may be. So he can go to the destination of his liking, a.k.a. ring chasing. Mm-hmm. Ring chasing has, you know. Uh, uh, a negative connotation to it that, oh, you you know, you're not providing anything to the championship team. But, you know, what's so bad about at that stage of your career? You want to go win a ring. You want to go experience that. And I feel like D. Rose has that kind of option going for him, but he doesn't exert that. I don't want to say power, but he doesn't exert that opportunity for himself. So if you're not going to do it, no one else is going to do it for you. And yes, I do feel bad for you if you're going to retire a New York Nick um, and spend your last years there, but you have to do something about it too. I guess the only thing the Knicks need to do now is call up Luol Deng in retirement and tell Don't him. Don't bring up that name to Lakers fans, bro. But seriously, like, 
you know, that's that's the holy trinity. Like you'll never be able to separate Tom Thibodeau from Taj Gibson, Derrick Rose, and Lou Aldang. Like he'll just always have them if he coaches a team. But um I mean in, in all seriousness though, I thought that it was that Derrick Rose wanted to go to New York or he wanted out of Detroit and like go to a different situation and New York was a place where he, you know, didn't mind being there. Um like I don't think New York would have made this deal because they gave up a second round pick if they were just acquiring D Rose for shits and giggles and for no other reason, right? Yeah, I mean, let's not. I figure we're at a point right now where we don't have to grease New York the same way we've greased them in the past, right? Like obviously that's the joke that the New York Knicks sucks. They're a shitty organization. They don't know what the hell they're doing, which still might be the case to some extent or another. But as a basketball product, they're not the worst team ever this year, right? They're in the ninth seed, fighting for an eighth seed. They were in the eighth seed, I want to say, last week. So it's not like Derrick Rose is stepping into this dire situation where it's a tanking franchise. This is a competitive team this year. So, um, like, yeah, I just, I just the narrative around the Knicks, it's funny to talk about and punch up a little bit. But, you know, the Knicks aren't a bad team. Yeah, but as Derrick Rose, you're not looking to build something. You, or, or, you know, mentor young guys. At least that's not what I would want to do. <laughs> I, I want to go win a ring. I want to go join the Milwaukee Bucks, the L.A. Lakers, the L.A. Clippers, the you know, whatever the case may be. I want to go join those teams to have a chance to win. If Derrick Rose were to win a ring, is he a Hall of Famer? Oh, that's tough. Well, I think basketball parameters, it's too loose. Like, it's pretty loose. It's pretty loose, but, you know. So, I think he yeah. has an MVP, so he's I mean, in. But if we're honest, though, he hasn't had an MVP career. I mean, a Hall of Fame career, right? Because he had the MVP year, and, like, we, we all do the whole, like, what-if game, like, that he could have been this if it wasn't for the knee injuries. But the truth is, like, everything after the ACL injury has not been Hall Okay, but it, is Tracy McGrady a Hall of Famer? But, but T-Mac had, like, five years of... You know, thirty. Yeah, but he never won an MVP. I guess. I mean, mm. Hall of Fame. I don't think matters that much to me. Yeah. Where I'm like, I don't feel strongly about keeping people in or out. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. just for the semantics, maybe he's a Hall of Famer. But, um, I mean, for like what he provides right now, like I think he's still a, a good player. Like for the Clippers, um, not to be on this if Derrick Rose was available. Like they needed a guard. They needed a guy who could score from the perimeter. Um, I thought like the Clippers would have been a really good team for him. The Lakers also. I mean, if they just wanted we to, we got Schroeder, bro. We good. That's true. Um, but it's just like yeah, it's weird to me because first of all, like why are the Knicks giving up? I mean, I know it's just a second rounder, but why why are you giving up a pick for a, a mediocre team at best? And then if you're Derrick Rose, like I maybe you like New York when you were there, but like why? You know, like there's I don't I don't really understand why you would want to be there. Perhaps it's the relationship with Tom Thibodeau. But, Julio, I want to direct this to you because you were the one who just said, I'll be damned if I want to go anywhere and mentor anybody, right? Apparently, he's already been in contact with Emmanuel quickly. I just want to get a good gauge on how you guys feel about Emmanuel, his play this year. Obviously, everybody talks about the floater. Um, that's a guy who at Kentucky, I wasn't sure exactly what his upside would be, just considering they had that weird three-guard rotation between what was it, Maxie quickly and... Who's the last dude? Hagens. Hagens. Ashton Hagens, right? And that was kind of an awkward fit between the three of them. But between Maxie and Quickly, those two have come into the NBA and both been better than I expected them to be. Um, but let's keep it to Quickly right now. What are your thoughts on his game or his play thus far this year? And how does Derrick Rose fit into that? Is he going to be a hindrance to him? Is he going to be a help? How do we think that situation plays out? Um, I mean, I, I, I like his game. 
I don't think he'll be a or he he. I mean, it, it depends what teams he he will be on in his career, but I don't think he's going to be the, this perennial, you know, NBA All Star or you know premier starter in the league. I, I something that you know was really funny is that when they played the Clippers the other day, he said, you know, he told Lou Williams that you were one of my favorite players, and that that that's kind of the role that I see him in for his career going forward as Lou Williams. Interesting. Kind that of. Sense. Yeah, I don't think that's a bad thing. I mean, that's a multiple times six man of the year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Eddie? I mean, so he was drafted like what twenty fifth, right? Something like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's probably going to end up being better than the guy they drafted at number eight. So, um, I mean, who's number eight? Obi Toppin. Oh, wow. <laughs> but, I mean, so people talk about that because in, in Kentucky, he didn't get to do the stuff that might have come natural to him. Um, and a lot of people talk about, like, oh, you should bet on people that work hard and, and have, like, a known work ethic and that they'll always improve. But, I mean, the thing the Knicks did is that they hired out people who worked at Kentucky, you know, is is in the Kentucky circle to the Knicks. So they knew, you know, of the players in Kentucky you know, those advisors were like, yeah, Emmanuel quickly is one of those dudes who will work on their game. Like, he has a lot more to prove than what he shows. So I think a lot of people were talking about how, like, oh, this is why you should draft players that have a known work ethic. But, you know, if you're team building, I think it's more than that. It's like you have to have an organizational process where you have people that are tapped into it. You know, you have people that are more knowledgeable about a player like IQ um, or Emmanuel quickly, I guess that's his nickname. But, <laughs> um, that you know, like they can be confident drafting him when other teams are not so sure about him because you know you got um, you know advisors from Kentucky to tell you all about a guy like that. So I mean, it's cool to see that he's thriving. I like his game too. I think he's going to be a really good shooter um, at the least. Um, but I think I think it's cool because again, I didn't think that much about him, but you know, I wasn't one of those people that knew about him. You know, like these Kentucky advisors are for the Knicks. Mm. Elite scouting, man. On this topic of rookie guards, let's go ahead and jump to a guy who's had a really hot streak as of late. LaMelo Ball, man. That's my guy. That's When we talk about guys that I was messing with in the draft, I know, Eddie, you don't mess with James Wiseman. That's my guy. LaMelo Ball is another one of my guys. And that was one of those things where I was like, let's not overthink it. The dude sees basketball in 4D, right? He sees the game in a different way than everyone else. Obviously, the shot selection isn't always great. Obviously, the efficiency excuse me, isn't always great, but the dude can flat out ball, right? And now he's showing it. Over the past five games, I pulled up a little stats. Here's some numbers for y'all. 34.3 minutes, 22.6 points per game, 6 rebounds, 6.6 assists, only 2.8 turnovers, um, 43.8 from the field, 51.4% from three. He's balling out right now, and he's doing it with confidence. He's doing it in style. What do we think about LaMelo Ball? I think he he's the type of energy that the or the, the yeah the Charlotte Hornets. I, I'm always like I always hesitate saying their name because I, I I always think about the Bobcats and you know, the Stephen Jackson. We don't talk about the Bobcats and the Gerald Henderson years and all, all of Al that Jefferson. But um, no, he he's like the spark kind of plug player that they needed. I, I feel like to energize and get people excited about that young core that they have there. Um, a, because he is a flashy name, but B, also because he gets his teammates involved. And yes, in flashy styles, uh, his, his partner in crime there has been Miles Bridges yes, sir. on a lot of lobs down there in Charlotte. So it's been exciting to watch. Um, I've always I've always said this since 
since high school um, that I, I always thought he was going to be the best of the three brothers, and that's easily come to fruition. Um, he, he's more confident in his game. He has more swagger in his game than Lonzo. And just I, I just feel like he gives, you know, less fucks than Lonzo a, a lot of times. And Lonzo, Lonzo, as much as he uh, may play like he doesn't care a lot, I, I feel like he gets in his own head a lot of times. And LaMelo, it's his thing is going to be consistency scoring on the offensive end. So you know what he can bring passing-wise. Uh, getting his teammates involved, but his shooting and his scoring, particularly his finishing, is what's going to have to be more consistent. But overall, I mean, he he's shown uh, what a lot of people thought he was going to be, which is you know a flashy, you know, exciting young player. And, and uh, again, that's what he's shown. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you can't ask too much from a rookie. But um, and you talked about like he's gonna have to improve the the scoring, you know, getting to the line, getting easy buckets. Um, but he's doing a lot of advanced stuff really well right now. And whatever kind of reservations I had about him in terms of like his shot choice, I think like he's really answered them pretty well. Like he's not being very erratic or wild with it. And that, I mean, as it looks right now, it looks like he's gonna be the best player in this draft. And he looks like he's going to be special, which is, I mean, really great for Charlotte. Um, I don't like. Look, I, I don't want to bring James Wiseman into this Here just because, just because you know. But but the truth is, you know, like it's going to look bad if Wiseman turns out to be like just an okay player, and the Warriors passed on a potential special player just because they were worried that you know, oh, they don't have like size or they don't have a center or they didn't like the fit of Lamelo Ball or whatever. Um, I, I mean, I didn't really think that they were going that direction because I, I just couldn't imagine the Warriors, you know, drafting a ball brother. Like, they, I don't think they wanted to deal with all of that. But the truth is, it's going to start looking bad if LaMelo Ball is on this career path that he's on right now where he becomes, you know, a, a star. And, you know, the teams at the top, for whatever reason, overlooked it for, I don't know, size, athleticism, like very rudimentary physical traits while you know the person with clearly the best vision and um um you know iq for the game was right there for the taking Mm. yeah man and like i said he's doing it in style and i'm glad you brought up the whole thing with lonzo because i was thinking the exact same thing julio it's like i've started to pick up on athletes as of late that really to be great you gotta give the perfect amount of fucks like not too much but just enough to where you're willing to go out there and compete. But if you if you start getting in your own head because you give too many fucks, that's out of the window and it's not going to be good for you. Like a, a guy like Carson Wentz, perhaps. That's football, right? But that's a guy who clearly got in his own head this year and it worked to his detriment. Guys like LaMelo Ball, guys like Patrick Mahomes, guys like um, Anthony Edwards. They give just the right amount of fucks to go out there and compete on a night, out, night in and night out basis. But also not enough to where they're going to get in their own head. They can detach themselves from mistakes. They can detach themselves from, you know, if I have an off night and I go 0 for 7 shooting, that's not going to stop me from shooting and pulling it the next night. If I miss the last three photos, I'm still going to take the next one when the opportunity presents itself. LaMelo Ball is like just the perfect amount of fucks to give. The perfect amount of fucks to give. And I'm pretty sure I've said my fuck limit for the show, so I'm going to stop saying it. But... It's just special to watch, man. It's fun to watch. And I like in for a second, right? For a brief moment where I wasn't sure LaMelo Ball was going to be a star. I always figured he'd be good. I didn't know if he would be an all-star caliber player. He just seems like that type of dude where 
you know, we think about a Stephon Marbury or a Jamal Crawford who maybe doesn't make the Hall of Fame. Maybe he's not, you know, a future MVP, but it's just fun to watch and enjoyable to watch. And you listen to the Charlotte Hornets announcers, like you mentioned, Julio, he's bringing joy back to basketball in Charlotte. That's something they haven't had for a long time. I want to pose this question, right? Because the reason LaMelo Ball's gotten the starting nod is because Devontae Graham's been out. Devontae Graham's a dude that I was a big fan of last year. He took a huge leap. I felt like he deserved most improved player, at least more consideration than he got. But does Devontae Graham, with the struggles that he's had this year, when he comes back healthy, does he get his starting job back, or is that Melo's? I'm trading Terry Rozier. (laughs) Easier said than done, my friend. And is, well, hasn't Terry Rozier been like all right? He's also getting paid twenty million. I mean, don't hit on Terry. Like he, I, I think. Like I mean, he, like that, I know, like we we made fun of like him and Michael Jordan for giving money to random players, but he's. I think he's actually like a good player. That's like, my he point. Is. Like he's been playing pretty good. He's, so he's he, a really good like shooter. Be, like a, he's a bad asset for you know, say a team like the Clippers. So the Clippers I coughing up twenty mil for Terry Rozier. I mean, maybe. maybe. I don't know about that I, one. My, my point is, is that my point, my grand point is, is that I would want going forward my backcourt to be Lamelo and Devonte Graham. That that's my overarching point. Really? Hmm. See, I kind of worry about Devonte because he struggled after like a hot streak. He kind of struggled the rest of the year just with, you know, shooting at the rim, shooting from deep. And then the beginning of this year wasn't super, you know, like wasn't great either. I still think he'll be a fine player. Like he's a great passer. Like his his ability to create three point looks is, you know, is something not a lot of players can do. Um, but you know, I mean, there there there's the possibility of using Devonte as a six man and or running out a three guard rotation or a three guard lineup even, and you know, with uh, Lamelo, Devonte, and Terry, but. I mean, if you're Charlotte, they're a fun team. I hope, you know, they get more national games in the second half of the season. But, you know, don't try to do anything drastic. You know, if they make the playoffs this year, that's great. Um, mm-hmm. But don't act like, you know, you're going to win the championship anytime soon. You know, and, and they have a fun team. You know, Gordon Hayward's been really good for mm-hmm. them. I, I really like Miles Bridges, not just as, you know, the flashy dunker, but just as a complete player. P.J. Washington's going to be good. You know, one of the Martin twins has always been, like, one of the players I liked watching. Which one? I don't know. Which I just, one? I just know it's one of the Martin I think, twins. I think, it, I think it's Caleb. It's yeah. probably Caleb, but I can never remember. Are you sure? They but, always get the same, like, hairstyle, too. That's what they keep messing us up with. Why did you get the same hairstyle? You just on some Marcus Morris and Marcus Morris. We never know who's who. But, but I mean, this Hornets team has really good young pieces. I'm going to say that phrase, you know, again. And, you know, they're going to be in, in a good position to rebuild. You know, they don't have their future mortgaged in, in an unhealthy way. Um, people made fun of the Gordon Hayward contract, but I actually think it's going to be, like, valuable for them. So, I mean, if you're Michael Jordan, if you're, uh, uh, who's your GM, Mitch Kupchak now, um, you're, you're, in a, you're in a good place, you know. So, hopefully, they can stay kind of low-key, let the people that are really into basketball, like, key in on them, watch them, you know, enjoy the kind of basketball product that LaMelo Ball brings to them and, you know, just just let them build. Give them a couple years to grow. I will say I think it's important to note the fact that 
LaMelo Ball sat on the bench for so long, I think that's definitely played to his favor. I know one of your biggest concerns out of the draft, Eddie, was shot selection, efficiency. Is he going to come into the league taking the same stupid shots that he was when he was at Chino, that he was when he was playing in the BBB League, when he was in Australia, when he was at Spire? There was kind of a consistent theme. And that's kind of the problem with high school. Not even a problem, just kind of one of the things that makes it a little bit difficult to gauge, especially in this mixtape culture, right? Dudes are going to be out there trying to do crazy shit sometimes. And you can't really gauge, okay, are you trying to make a mixtape right now or is this who you are as a player? Um, Clearly, LaMelo has the ability to adapt and that he's shown that, which is great to hear or great to hear, great to see. Um, and I think definitely the the fact who I'm forgetting who's the coach down there in Charlotte Borrego James Borrego the fact that he was kind of ten toes on the fact like I'm not going to start this dude right away I'm going to let him earn it um, I think that probably not exists in Lamelo's mind as he's playing but I think he knows that he can't go out there and BS around um, mm-hmm. which is good for him for sure and I mean I think that brings up an interesting point because people are angry or frustrated that they didn't start Lamelo or that Minnesota didn't start Anthony Edwards from day one. But I'm always, like, reminded of this point that, you know, if you put unpolished finished players um, or unfinished players, which, which is every rookie, every rookie is not polished at all. If you put them in a situation where you're asking them to be a star, they're not going to succeed. That's why Andrew Wiggins has not succeeded, you know, because in Minnesota they asked him to be, you know, everything and, and then some from day one. But then if you look at other players like Paul George or Kawhi Leonard who started their career off you know, really honing in the fundamentals with them, you know, tell them to play good defense, um, tell them how to, you know, kind of get up to speed with the game and then start adding the special stuff on top of it. Then, you know, you have the formula for a great player. I mean, same thing with Trey Young. They they asked him to just pass the ball, you know, in Atlanta a lot, really read the floor well, and then start pulling crazy shots. Um, again, like the way to build rookies and young players up in the league is not to tell them to do the extraordinary from day one it's to tell them to you know hone in the fundamentals really get the x's and y's down you know or x's and o's Um, (laughs) get their x's and o's down first and then you know start doing stuff on top of it and you're already starting to see it pay off with Lamelo, and you're starting to see it pay off with anthony edwards in that just in a 20 game sample you know they're really solidifying and then that's where you can start to be optimistic in that the second year, third year. Like, now, like, what can you build on top of it? Like, now can we see the special come out of you? Mm. So, again, ju- just a general, like, you know, team building, roster building, prospect building thing is that, um, w- at least when I look at rookies, you know, I want to see them really get the basics down. Because when you know that they're special prospects, it's really honing that foundation first, and then they can really start, you know, building off of it. Yes, sir. All right, man. We've talked about... Old guards, Derrick Rose. We've talked about young guards, Lamelo Ball. Let's talk about all guards throughout NBA history. Kevin, <laughs> like that transition. Uh, Kevin Garnett came out. You brought it to the group chat, Julio. Kevin Garnett came out and said, you know, he's one to be outspoken. Basically, that you know, the guards in today's NBA, they're far and away better than any other era. They would dominate any other era. Guards from other eras, whether it's the 90s, the 80s, the 2000s, they couldn't come and play in this era because of how talented the guards are in today's NBA. Um, Eddie, you alluded to the fact that Kevin Garnett was kind of a a, a player that was ahead of his time a bit, which would make sense why he feels that certain way. Um, But let's let's unpack that a little bit. How do we feel about guards all time? Julio, you wanted to do this, so I'll let you kind of introduce the topic a little bit more. What's the what's the underlying question here? Yeah, so just for uh, contextual reasons, he said 20 years ago, and people take that as 
okay, yes, technically 20 years ago, we're in 2001, and that's the 2000s era. In fairness to KG, I'm pretty sure he meant, you know, the night, anything before the 2000s. Um, So I just wanted to point that out. Um, So what I kind of posed to the group chat was, which decade of guards are you taking? And, you know, it's a lot, but, you know, just to keep it short, the 80s guards, you could throw out so fast. (laughs) I mean... You could throw out magic like that? Just without... Magic magic alone is carrying. Magic, IT, and not the best of Jordan, you can throw that out. Okay, but, like, Jordan was still hooping, though. Like, Jordan... I mean, that's fair, but... I mean the 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 incline Ooh, the, <laughs> of how much better it gets. It, it's pretty clear. Was was I, Clyde nineties? I want. Oh, Clyde, Clyde was eighties, right? I thought you were gonna say something 90s, like in the nineties. In my opinion, it gets. It, 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 I mean, it gets better. You get MJ, Reggie Miller, Clyde Drexler, uh, Stockton, and, and Gary Payton. I mean that that's that's that's, that's solid. That's better. But two thousand. So. So th- this is the point that I wanted to get to. So I knew Eddie was going to go, okay, 2000s is by far and away the best. We don't, so. Eddie hasn't said anything. Eddie hasn't said a word. We don't know. No, I mean, th- this is just my <laughs> presumption in, in building my list. So I- I'm like, I, I can't I-, I can't mess with that. So in the 2000s, people forget. So I, I put them, I stacked them side by side. And I'm, and I'm really, and it's so close. But I'm leaning towards taking the 2000 guards. Really? Yes. Hmm. Yes. So, I mean, for like the first five, you got Kobe, you got CP3, you got AI, you got D Wade, and mm-hmm. you got Nash. Those are the five, you know, head headliners of the 2000s. Right. In the 2010s, you got Steph, Dame, Kyrie, CP3 again. And James Harden. I was going to say, like, James Harden's too late on that list off the bat. <laughs> so, I mean, honestly, this these lists, the 2000s and the 2010s, I don't know how you feel about it, Reagan, but I I, I think that's by far the two the, the two best of, of these four. Hmm. How do you feel about them? I want to pass it to Eddie first because I feel like you kind of posed an argument that I'm not sure. I mean, I feel like you would lean 2010s. But I'm not entirely sure. So you go ahead and, and take and, the floor. And we can get to a discussion about those, you know, those of two opposing kind of decades. Mm-hmm. But how do you, how do you, how do you guys feel about those two decades? Me saying those two decades are by far the two best out of these four, at least. So you're just going to forget about Bob Pettit in 1960? <laughs> Oscar <laughs> Robinson, bro? Like, come um, on. No, but seriously, though, um, there's this idea. I mean, you guys think that I hate old people or whatever, um, but I just have to, you know, I, I just have to, you know, set the set the record straight. To borrow a phrase, um, I I would like to respect the elders of the guard generation right now, mm. and that in the two thousands, I think the two thousands birthed kind of the generation of lead guards that we're looking at right now. Okay, and you know, when I go back and I look at Steve Nash tape. Um, when I go back and I look at, I mean, it's hard to call Chris Paul an elder because he's playing, but he was one of the, you know, he was one of the forebears of that sort of basketball. And then the third person, most importantly, Manu Ginobili will always be one of my favorites because he really played, you know, the type of basketball that we're seeing all throughout the league now. 
And, you know, all those three players were kind of in their heyday in the 2000s. So um, I'm not saying that the 2000s are like my favorite or whatever, but I just think that it's important to shout out that, you know, the kind of beginnings of the lead guard, the high usage guard, the guard who scores and facilitates, um, you know, came from really, I feel like it's those three players. But when when we talk about guards, I also want to talk about like, what is a guard? Because to me, like Kobe is is not you know a guard to me. Like Michael Jordan is not a guard to what? me. Tracy McGrady not a guard to me. Um, okay, okay. They 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 just played shooting guard. See, they're, they're there's a difference. But okay, so you're saying lead Don't, guard is the only guard. That's when I think. I mean, when I so think like a guard. Point, so you're saying a point guard that can score, a point guard and a point guard that can score. Like uh, there, it's so hard to put into words, but there's just a stylistic difference with what a wing is and what a guard is and like Kobe, I mean, that, that's fair that that's how i break it up in my mind i break it up by guard wing and, and uh and big right mm-hmm. the, the, but those are the those are kind of like newer i guess parameters of how you think about positionality and but the NBA. truth is like you can't call michael jordan a a, a guard as we know it today he just played yeah. the two. Okay, so is the difference like the amount of usage that you have, or the amount of on ball? Like, are you bringing the ball up the court, or no, facilitating I, offense? I think, is that well, what it is? No, no. I, I think Eddie's parameter is, is exactly what I just. It's point guard and point guard that can score. So you got it's, your it, Steve Nash and CP threes, and then your point guard that can score is more like Kyrie, uh, Baron Davis, uh, 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 Gilbert Arenas. That's an interesting first three. Kyrie, (laughs) Baron Davis, and Gilbert. I mean, you're not wrong. I'm just saying that's like the first three that come to your mind. I I think that's the most. I mean, you actually, I mean, that's kind of spot on to me because, you know, it's like players who kind of exist in the isolation game, like played a lot of one-on-one, you know, like in like that mid-range, like, you know, a lot of mid-range post moves like a Kobe or an MJ it's like those are wing tendencies. Like those are you know Paul George Kawhi, uh, uh, you know stuff that they do now, right? Like KD, you know. So like to me, like those are wings. You know, like if you're a guard, you you kind of process and play the game with the sort of creativity that is less reliant on your physical traits and more on like dissecting the game of basketball into like bits and pieces, like using ball screens, getting to the rim, drawing fouls, you know, using the live dribble to manipulate defenders. Again, like it's hard. It's really hard to put into words. But, you know, again, it's like to me, I mean, to me, I, I agree with you and I also disagree with you because, yes, that's how I think now. But it was when a different I'm going area and making basketball. a list, Kobe Bryant, T-Mac, Vince Carter, uh, uh, Manu Ginobili, these guys are all shooting guards right. to me. And, or, and this, or like, uh, yeah. And I get it because, right, if we're looking at it from today's standpoint, like this, this what do they call it, heliocentrism, right, mm-hmm. of having one guy who kind of facilitates the entire offense, that makes it so that you almost have one guard, three wings, and a big, um, if you even have a big in there, right? But, okay, let me ask you this. What would Devin Booker be? to you he's a guard and the thing is he Mm. came into the league as a wing-ish player like he had wing skills and they purposely taught him you know you need to know how to use ball screens you need to know how to facilitate read the floor pass the ball because again like what's important in the league now and i know you disagree julio but every team wants their ball dominant player to play like a guard whether they're six nine or you know five foot eleven you know it's that sort of creativity that's 
you know prominent in the league now. It's what every team prioritizes. It, but okay, and, and so that's fine. what's LeBron? Yeah, to rehash an old argument, <laughs> he's he's whatever. He's no, like, no, 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 no. What's LeBron? He's a hybrid. Okay, he's a wing. Wait, we, we might have to bring up what Rashad Phillips. He came but, out with that new positional dictionary, maybe. dual forward, something like that. Shout out Rashad Phillips, but 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 anyways, um, and going back to this, what I wanted to go back to this 2000s versus 2010s. Going back to to I guess the original parameters of what I kind of outlined, Kobe, T Mac, and all that. So. When you pin the five from the 2000s decade against the five of the uh, 2010s decade, uh, you know, from the 2010s, you got Steph, Kyrie, Dame, CP3, and James Harden. After that, I'm not going to say it looks kind of dry, but the depth of the 2000s decade is much, much deeper than 2010s. So 2010s, you got, after, after those five, you got Russ and... You know, I, I know how you feel about Russ, Eddie. You got Clay, who I love. I, I love Clay. See, don't call Clay a guard. But he, but he, won't, call, he, he won't call Clay a guard. wing, though, you know? And, and, and that's fine, right? And then Kemba Walker, John Wall. I mean, th- th- those guys are You good. don't even like John Wall like that. Stop. You don't even like John Wall like that's that. That's my point. That, that's my point. So in the 2000s era, though, mm-hmm. after those five, Kobe, T-Mac, AI, Nash, CP3, and D-Wade. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. D Wade, you still got Ray Allen, mm-hmm. Vince Carter, mm-hmm. Gilbert Arenas. Mm-hmm. A lot of people forget about Deron Williams. People yes, sir. Oh, people forget about Deron Williams or CP3. Mm-hmm. You still got Tony Parker, Manu Ginobili, mm-hmm. Aaron Davis, mm-hmm. Stephon Marbury, mm-hmm. Chauncey Billups. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you got so many. Vince names. Carter. I mean, like, like Steve that, Francis, that, Brandon Roy. That, that, I, that depth, yeah, yeah. That that depth is just it's like too much for me. Like. Yes, in today's game, you got saucy dudes. You got with, with Dame, Kyrie, and Steph. I mean, th- that this is definitely the best point guard era ever. But I mean, I- I'm not gonna say the well dries up after that. But man, twenty t- or two thousands, it, it, it's too deep. It, it, for me, it's too deep for for me not to lean on on their side so, you know you, you you do make some compelling points mm-hmm. i'm not gonna lie you you make you, some you, you rattled off some names right there <laughs> you do make some compelling points um and also shout out rod strickland one of those names that rod strickland, mm-hmm. oh my God. great finisher um but like no i mean that's a good point in that like the 2010s has a lot of you know people at the top right like obviously we know the steph and dames and the you know Kyrie's, um but you know beyond that it is true, like, I don't think there's a lot, but I think it's going to be interesting, and, and this is kind of separate, because I think we're kind of going into a generation now where the new generation, like, all the best players, or not all, but most, will be a guard-type player, and we're entering a generation where we're going to see a Luka, who is a guard. I, to me, he's a guard, you know, a Trey Young, Devin Booker. Um, I mean, it's going to be Cade Cunningham when he comes into the draft. Like, we're going to see these skills, like, really start to play out where, you know, kids coming up the high school AAU pipeline are being taught these sort of, like, guard creativity skills. And that, you know, in the 2020s, like, that might go even crazier. And I think that's interesting to think about. So, your 2010s, to be clear, Eddie. I'm still going to stick to 2010s, just because, you know, Steph, you know. In your 2000s. 2000s, yeah. 2000s, when you compare those two lists, I mean, 2000s has the best player, and it has the depth. So, 
sounds like I'm the deal breaker here. Um, I revel in these moments. I do want to like. I don't want to just let this be like 2000s and beyond are the only guards that matter. We should nod to the 90s as you did. Gary Payton. Um, names. John Stockton. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, like, like I mean, bro. Yeah. Gary Payton, John Stockton, the Jordan, the 80s. Mark, direct, Mark, Mark Price? Like, who's, who's next I mean, up? Shoot. Uh, uh, Dennis Johnson. And you got Hoopers. You got Hoopers. Um, you got a nod to the 80s. IT, MJ, or, fuck, yeah, Magic Johnson. Uh, other 80s guards and then the, <laughs> like you talk about Jerry West and Oscar Robinson let's nod to all those dudes because at the end of the day those are the people that laid the foundation and we can talk all day about as things evolve they get better um, somebody from this area would go light it up but that's because you know the Sugar Hill Gang had to be about and no one's going to listen to the Sugar Hill Gang in their earphones right now but they laid the foundation for other people to come up in the future Julio don't look at me like that and make really good music right so the, I just want to nod to the old era but I agree with y'all I do think that the best era of guards or the best decade exists in the 2000s so to t- break the tie I'm going to go with the 2000s guards I'm going to go with 2000s I from a talent standpoint, it's so close, I can't make a, a distinction. You talked about the depth, Julio. You talked about the um, top-end talent on the 2010 side, Eddie. But for me, I'm like a really big culture person. Basketball culture, what makes basketball fun for people to enjoy. And I think the 2000s era in general was just the really the real foundation of what makes people love basketball today, particularly our generation. And then when I think about the guards that came out of that generation, those were the dudes that made kids like me, like us, fall in love with the game. Kobe Bryant, Allen Iverson, Daryl, I mean, fucking Stephon Marbury. Those are the people that people came up watching, bring that street ball culture to the NBA, bringing the cornrows, bringing the hip hop culture, wearing the baggy clothes, right? Doing all of that stuff made people fall in love from basketball, not just from an on-court standpoint, but from a cultural aspect. That's the sort of stuff that people really enjoyed. So that's the tipping point for me. Um, but like y'all mentioned, it's really, it's really fucking close, man. I said fuck mm-hmm. again. I'm sorry. I, but <laughs> yeah, no, I respect that. And I think honestly, it's unfair to criticize some of the older guards in saying that, oh, they didn't play like, you know, uh, a Steph Curry does now. Because the truth is, if someone whispered in Allen Iverson's ear, like, hey, by the way, these data points show that if you go to the line more, you would be more efficient. If someone told him like, oh, here are, you know, if you score from the three in the rim, and, you know, if you if you get to the line a lot, like, you'll be a lot more efficient. If someone told him that, I bet, you know, he would do that and end up, and end up you know, looking like James Harden, you know, or something like that. So the truth is, of course, like, there's some things that are lost in translation because, you know, generation to generation, decade to decade, our knowledge of the game becomes better. And then people hone in their skills based on what we know about, you know, basketball more and more. So, I mean, it, it's hard to just go about this. But if we're just looking at stylistically... Like, I think of the 2000s, to me, like, I can think of Allen Iverson, um, and I can think of, like, Dwayne Wade. Like, those are two, like, pure guards to me. And then after that, it's like, you know, then you start, again, towing the line with Tracy McGrady, with Kobe. With, Steve with, Nash? With, oh, that's right, Steve Nash. I Chris forgot Paul? about him. Yeah. I'm, it's so, like, Chris Paul is weird because, like, he kind of was that turn-of-the-decade person. Yeah. Right? And, like, to me, I put him in the first, you know, the first team all decade for the 2010s. Shout out to, like, a long-ago episode. Yeah. But, you know, again, it's, like, it's, it, it's, it's really interesting because, for me, guards are the players I'm watching now, the players that I love watching now, the ones that I, you know, always talk about. But, I, I have a question, then. What's hmm. Ray Allen to you? He's a wing. 
Like even even at his best, he played like a wing, right? He played. Well, like no, no, I'm not saying at his best when he was with uh, Milwaukee or Seattle. I'm saying like Boston Celtics, Ray Allen. He was a wing. Hmm. I feel like we have to run that, the that exercise. Bro, bro's a shooting guard. Bro's a shooting guard. Yeah, I, but like that's that's where like positionality for me really really comes into play. Is like, the distinction for you? You either bring the ball up, you spread the floor, or you man the paint. I mean, bring the ball up doesn't mean anything really, mm. but again, it's like if you're like, it's weird to me because like, if you're like a, a, a three and D, I mean, I just say that really loosely, but if you're like a shooter where you're just relied on to shoot, like how you create those three point looks and, and I guess height has to do something with it too, like has to do with it. Like if you're Duncan Robinson, like you're a wing because you're, you're six, eight or six, seven, but if you're JJ Redick and you're six, one, like, you know, you're a guard. Right, but I don't know. To me, maybe but I thought you said size doesn't matter. I mean, that that that's a whole nother conversation. I'm just talking about like when you put these people in the categories, and maybe I'm reaching for something that doesn't really exist. But personally, I feel like there's something that again, it's hard for me to put into words. But I do think that people just play differently when they're separated into guards, wings, and bigs, like. If someone has a certain physical traits to look like a wing, you know, they're going to play like a, a Kawhi with those movements versus if someone looks like a guard, they're going to play like a Luka, you know? So, like, again, like height has something to do with it. Size has something to do with it. Play style, ability to dribble, like all of that has to do with it. It's really hard to define. But, you know, again, like when I think of guard, it's like, you know, Steph Curry, James Harden, right? Like that, like that to me is really like what a guard is. So let's play a game before we get out of here. Let, let's have a little fun here. Eddie, you're on the hot seat. Let's play a game I like to call wing or guard. <laughs> Make it very self-explanatory. Benjamin Simmons. He's a big, so neither. Mm, okay, Jimmy Butler. Okay, he's a big, yeah. Wing. He's a wing. He's a wing. Bradley Beal. Guard. Mm, let's see. Uh... I don't know. Give me some Victor Oladipo. Guard. Okay. Let's throw... Okay, so what's, like, the difference between, say, a Bradley Beal or or Oladipo and Kobe? What's the difference? They just look different. You know, like, I don't know. They just go out and get buckets, or I don't know. But, like, the way they get those buckets is different, though, you know? Like... Bradley Beal... His money is in the mid-range. His it is, money. but the way he gets to those mid-range buckets is different than how Kobe got to them in that Bradley Beal is doing more pull-ups into them, more ball screen actions into them, while Kobe is using his you know size and his ability to create separation out the post more. You know, it's like... Well, I think you, you're talking about old Kobe. That, that young Kobe? I don't know. All right, let's go to round two, make it a little bit more difficult. Marcus Smart. Guard. That's a guard. Drew Holiday. See, he's a he's a true combo guard for me, which in today's NBA can really mean wing, really. But he's a guard. Okay. Chris Middleton. Wing. But he's the closest wing that plays to a guard, in my opinion. That's why I like him so much, too. All right. Final, most difficult round. Oh, wait. Zach Levine. Guard. Okay. Dylan Brooks. 
Don't care. G, I don't know. G, G League. <laughs> wow. Hey, yo. Wow. No, but he's, I mean, he's probably a wing who wants to play like a guard because he thinks he's good enough. Hmm. You know. DeMar DeRozan. Wing. He was a wing. Now he looks more like a guard. But he's really like... That's so tough because it's like the better he's gotten at passing and facilitating, he looks more like a guard. But again, he still looks so much like, you know, like like the Kobe prototype where, you know, it profiles like a wing. Hmm. All right. That's all I got for you, man. Buddy Hill. Guard? That's a guard. Okay. All right. Figured. 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 Okay. (laughs) Lou Dork. Kidding. All right, man. That'll do it for this episode of Open Holler. Thank you guys, as always, so much for tuning in. Make sure you go shout out the socials. Um, Go hit those up. Eddie's been working on the Twitter. I'm going to start doing the Instagram. With that said, all your support is very much appreciated, as always. We'll see you guys next time. This has been the Hoop and Holler podcast. 